0: Wait for it, wait for it, and we're live. Hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to address the elephant in the room. If you notice, we are missing uh, our intrepid co host, Stabby and uh, Nick Garber. Uh, he suffered a medical issue on New Year's Eve. He mentioned it publicly, so I don't think it hurts to say. He had a minor stroke. Uh, luckily, his wife was there and caught it, so he's doing well. He will recover fully, but that means you're going to first few episodes of season four will just be me. So don't go too crazy and don't get used to it because we're keeping him around. He's not allowed to die. And if he does die, I will go to hell and pull his ass back and put him back to work he's not allowed to retire. He's just, we got time. We got shit to do. Oh,
1: well, that's part of being in service, isn't it? All yep, yep. shit to do.
0: You're too much to do. We ain't got no time to die. Um, was it Ventura said, don't have time to bleed either?
1: <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah.
0: So... All right. With that being said, before we introduce the episode, we're going to let our uh, guests introduce themselves. So first, we're going to do ladies first because it's also alphabetical order. So Jenny, can you introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure.
2: Um, my name is Jenny E. Ren. I am an author, editor, minion with Three Ravens. I've had the good fortune to also be a hillbilly wrangler at cons. So you go to a cons and you see enough Three Ravens and You'll see a couple of us chasing after hillbillies. He's a streak with braids flapping. You'll see his goatee braids flapping in the wind. That's
1: not necessarily um, a good thing, is it?
2: It is a brilliant thing. It's <laughs> amazing. amazing. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on and get to nerd out. So thank you.
0: It would help if I unmute myself. Nerding is always good. So there's never a problem there. All right. So with that being said, Mr. Hillbilly, William Joseph Roberts, the mm-hmm. – I almost said the third, but I don't know if there's any actual numbers. It just sounds official that way. (laughs) It just
1: kind of sounds cool. Go with
0: it. You could be the ninth. I don't care.
1: (sighs) Um, Yes, I am William Joseph Roberts. I write sci-fi, fantasy, horror, anything the evil mind scrolls demand of me, and I'm also the lead publisher at Three Ravens Publishing. Um, I'm tired, but we're getting shit done. Sleep is for
0: the weak. You can sleep (laughs) when you're.
1: This is this is true, and well, behind me, I. You might hear comments from the word witch back behind me there.
0: Okay. So um, the next part of the introduction is how we first found them with them being three Ravens. And I actually don't remember, Hillbilly, you and I have been stalking each other on Facebook like you do for so many years. I've forgotten where the first it started. We've been
1: friends since before I kicked off Three Ravens. Yeah,
0: So it's probably Saska. I don't know that to be true, but I'll go with it because I met a lot of uh, yeah. people through I her. Mean-
1: she would have had some kind of influence in the middle of it, and um. You also know a lot of Mel the Todd. military. Yeah, Seska and Mel Todd probably.
0: But you also know a lot of the military guys that are that got out and traded swords for pens, so to speak. So yes, that also that also helps. Um, oh, you got delivery. Um, it'd be cooler if they like threw it in like a I don't know
2: paper airplane
0: or something cool. Um.
2: That would be cool. Special delivery in
1: that oh, case. Yes. Oh, that's actually a freaking cat. The kids. So dogs are things, better. And th- this is a um, actually a business card. I honestly hate these things. Um, at some point, we need to do a uh, show on do's and don'ts and things that work. Um, poke, poker chip business cards work to a point for some people.
2: There's something yeah, that that's not. Cool
0: the novelty and the gimmick emis works for some people some of the time but too easy to lose too easy need-
1: to lose it does not fit with all the other business cards that you have and unless you're uh, just a diehard vegas type person playing the casino angle with your uh, your branding eh. you know, craig martell he carries poker chips around but you know 20 bucks to vegas or yeah, 20 books of fifty K in Vegas, understandable.
0: Yeah. So, before we dive into the topic, though, Jenny, you've never been on the show before, so you got to answer the religion questions. Are you ready?
2: I am ready, as I think I will ever be.
0: So there are wrong answers, and if you get them wrong, uh, we have given hillbilly the eject button, and uh, may God be with you. Um, <laughs> so My so seatbelt we'll- is
2: buckled. All hands and feet are inside the vehicle at all times. No,
1: Don't Hank, he is judging you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the religion question. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly?
2: I swear by my pretty floral bonnet. I
0: yeah! Will- Shiny. I like it. I like it. So far, you get bonus points.
1: Thank you. Don't you you me. met Kaylee at DragonCon this year, right? Wait, what? Yeah, I got to hang out with Kaylee at the bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you
2: did tell me that. Um, I was raised on Star Trek, so it, it is in my DNA because it was something that my parents and I watched growing up. But and of course, Star Wars is Star Wars. It's integral to everybody, except for the first three. But um, that was my my comfort, my my home is is Firefly. That's my. Will never
0: take the sky from
2: us. That, exactly. Exactly, what is it? Find a crew, find a job, keep flying. Yep, yep. Never take the sky from me. No,
0: the- I only wish they'd done more with that. Yes. That universe, like, I get that you can't yeah. go back to, to you know, lightning in a bottle with the show. You could go before and show the brown coat war, you could go after, Apparently never they are. They're,
1: they're, they're bringing it back, I've heard oh. on like Amazon or something. Uh, but it's not the crew it's like one person Jason. yeah and it's but it's firefly universe it's just similar and similar struggles with similar you know touching base with some of the the same uh side characters and stuff
2: i'm skeptical
1: oh i am too
2: But see, they kind of got the short end of the stick out of the gate because they didn't air the pilot episode first. They aired like what, episode two or three first? And and then they like.
1: First, the train job. And then they they, they aired the original episode two episodes in, I think it was. Yeah.
2: I'm like, you totally cut their knees out from under them before they even had a chance to get
1: started. uh, Oh, 15 or 16 original episodes. There were only 11 aired.
2: Mm hmm.
0: I mean, Fox Entertainment, good stuff. Fox Entertainment, where good shows go to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, the lady that canceled it, I'm just saying she's earned her spot in hell. But but that means you're left without like they didn't like jump the shark. You didn't go like Star Wars did, where they took all of your your beloved memories and then they took a dump on them and burned it and then lit it on fire again just for good measure. Well,
1: no, they they did justice to the universe with the movie absolutely yes. there was a great absolutely. wrap up even though bastards killed off main characters then and book mm, but they did justice it was beautiful i mean th- a good portion of of firefly influenced my first novel flux runners because of you know that that crew struggling along trying to get to that next job just doing what they can to make ends meet i mean that's the kind of shit that I grew up with. So it connected on so many levels there. And that fed into that first novel because it was the same kind of thing. You know, you just got a a crew of asteroid miners trying to make a buck, make it, make it to the next check, get what they need, go back on the job and, you know, just try to enjoy life and the experience of it.
0: Yeah. Um, I also, the, the one thing, my only complaint about the movie was how they killed the main character. I mean, at this point, it's been out long enough. If you don't know Washed Eyes. I mean, spoiler, I guess. Um, I, I don't even mind killing main characters, but it just felt so anticlimactic. Like, make his death mean something if you're going to kill him. It's,
1: wow. It's been out
0: over 10 years, hasn't
1: it? Yes.
2: I
0: won't think about how long that is. We're just going to say more than two. <laughs> Because uh, I mean, twenty I'm years ago, it's still the nineties.
2: No, I'm
0: just saying, twenty years ago is still the nineties. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't know. Killing the main character didn't bug me as much as how they did it. Like, if he had died saving everyone else, like that could have been cool. Wow. So, um, don't tell us.
1: Oh, you don't no. want to know because it's going to make you feel old.
2: No, no, no. Let, let's not do that let's not make anybody feel no, let's just, just revel- there's
0: there's no way it's been that long
2: stop stop
0: this is badly for everyone I'll be like stop
2: stop stop please
0: all right so uh shiny uh because we're polytheistic <laughs> over here at the <laughs> <laughs> the podcast uh game of Thrones wheel of time or chronicles of Narnia
2: Narnia okay i, I have I gotta go. I wasn't I'm gonna get totally blacklisted. I'm not a not a fan of Game of Thrones. Sorry. I know. Blacklisted, pariah. Um Wheel of Time. I watched it. I was, oh, I know I, I know feel how you, you on that one. I know how you feel about it.
1: Have you read
2: any of it? You what?
1: Have you read it? Yes. Okay, okay, cool. As long as you've read it first, because no, you don't just watch. I know that.
2: I know. When do I not read things? Hillbilly, you're not wrong there. I read everything. So,
0: I've actually never seen the the um, Game of Thrones because I have this thing about starting things I'll never get an ending to. I don't like doing that. Been burned a few times. Yeah, Um, and so like I know. George R. R. Martin's never going to finish the series. So when he dies, somebody'll finish it for him. I know the beta tested ending on the series everyone hated. And so for one, I, I we would not want to start something I know I don't get an ending on, either the movie or the show. And then I just don't do grimdark. Like
2: yeah, I don't know. Either. I read the Game of Thrones books up until what was available 20 years ago. Like I read them all and was like, "Eh, hey, hey, hey." I agree. I'm not a Grimdark fan. It was, I read it because it was a thing and everyone's like, oh hey, you gotta read these so I did. And then wished I hadn't. So I agree.
0: Any thoughts on the uh, Grimdark? Go Billy.
1: Oh, I absolutely despise Grimdark. It's too freaking nihilistic. There's no hope whatsoever. I mean, what is the freaking point? Roll over and die and be done with it and get out of the way for the rest of us. I mean, seriously, really. What what is the point of sitting there and and waller, wallowing in your own self deprecation?
0: I'm not I, disagreeing.
1: I hate grim dark. I do not like any of it. And honestly, I haven't watched anything of Game of Thrones because we haven't had cable in um a while. It's been about ten years now that we haven't had cable. Um, and don't, don't miss it. it one little bit. Um. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, will of Time. I will never watch that show. That's why I, I gotta I say, Narnia series. And and granted, I haven't finished the book series, but I love the book series. And because of what they did for the show and changing core elements of what Jordan had created, I will never watch that show. I I. I I will classify myself as a um, traditional? No, not traditionalist. Um,
0: Originalist. There we go. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, if you go and change what somebody created and change core elements, I no, that's what that person created. That's their universe. Just because you want to do whatever, and yeah, no, I don't like that. I mean, I had issues with the, the uh, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie because of scenes that were in there. And, like, that wasn't in the books anywhere, but they were not in the books, but there was a side novella that included that section that I didn't know about. So, you know, you can't change my mind on things. Originally, I did not like the movies because of that
2: the second hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy sucked hundred day eggs
1: wait there was a second
2: there were there were well there was a remake the first one from the 80s
1: or 90s the one from the 80s that was a tv series based on the original radio series which was loosely i don't know the radio series came first and then he wrote the novels and then the tv series came out in the early 80s on the bbc the movie itself that came out in late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah, that's the one, like, the part where they go back and they uh, go to Deep Thought and talk to the computer. That whole scene with Zoe Deschanel and all them, it's like, that was not anywhere in the books that I remember, but apparently there was a novella that covered that, where you actually went back and talked to uh, Deep Thought.
2: Yeah, the remake still blew goats. <laughs>
1: there was a lot of elements that i liked
2: i didn't there wasn't one bit of that remake that i didn't
1: the poetry Just... the the way that the vogon poetry was set up that was actually oh. pretty pretty messed up it it it, may, it it hurt to watch i'm like no turn it off i it, felt the pain. post
2: to hurt it's vogon poetry it's supposed exactly. to it, make your I ears mean, i felt the pain of the vogon poetry, poetry. It is so, supposed to make your intestines boil out of your nose. That's what it's supposed to do.
0: So when the 100, uh, the series, the book series by Cass Morgan was turned into a television series, I think, um, was it Netflix that did it? I don't remember who who originally yeah,
1: Netflix did Netflix did the 100. I have not read the series. We've watched all of the uh, TV series.
0: So there are some huge differences in the character arcs and all of that in the books versus the TV show. And when they were prepping for the TV show, they asked Cass Morgan about it. And she said, as long as you take that the TV shows is always going to be a different entity, which is some of the same names and same themes as the books, you could be happy with both. Uh, and I cash the paycheck. And that's kind of how you have to think about it. Otherwise, yeah. you'll get very mad at places like Amazon for the Rings of Power, which was like. Felt like I was going from the movies, which were epic, to in the book. Obviously, the book is epic. To the the rings of power, and it's like this is like third graders doing fanfic level of quality in comparison.
1: Right. <laughs> and, well, you know the the um, sort of Shannara, that TV series,
0: it actually wasn't bad, and it was really close to what Terry Brooks had created. I liked it. I really did. I know it's not a popular opinion, but I, I really enjoyed the series.
2: I did, too. Um, TV okay, series. I, I kind of, uh, okay, cool.
1: It's lots of team names I'll
2: tell you one that surprised me that was a series that I read and that was turned into a, a show on Netflix is um, Lockwood & Co. It was written by oh, John Stroud. Yes,
0: I watched that. Oh,
2: my God. have you? That read was a
0: creative way of bringing swords into modern way that made it make sense. It now, was- I have a friend who's a Hema a swordsmith, uh, and he will tell me that their sword fighting was trash, and they just waved it around. Uh, yeah, um, but but for someone who's not trained in sword fighting, it looked okay. I mean, I have couldn't. You know. read
2: the series.
0: I have not, but it's on my list.
2: You need to read the series. Need to read, and you also need to read his Bartamius trilogy, which is about a demon named Bartamius. Yes, need to. So I
0: started reading or watching Roswell, New Mexico, the the second version of it. Yeah. And I've heard that was based on um, some books. So that's going to probably be my next deep dive. It's just for me. That's not something I'm reading to review for Upstream or for anyone else. That's just something I want to read on my own. Um, but that's going to be at the library's discretion because budgets are a thing. And yeah. apparently I can't spend thousands of dollars a month on books. The mortgage likes to get paid.
2: Oh, this stupid adulting. But yeah, <laughs> it should us Um.
0: Lockwood yeah, so. and Co., the
2: series that... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was going to say that the Lockwood and Co., the, the acting on that one was really well done, too. I, I enjoyed it.
2: It was. And they actually, that whole series... How Purist.
0: That's the word said? I was looking for. What? Purist.
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry, Squirrel. Shiny I'm, I'm Squirrel. The Mind Squirrel thing? Yeah. Yeah, Shiny Squirrel. The whole season of Lockwood and Co. is the first book. Nice. And it is true to form the there are two two differences two well two significant differences at least i thought they were significant being a purist now that we've checked the word out there squirrel is two of the characters like one of the main characters um george in the book he's blonde blue eyes and pudgy and he is not in the movie or a tv show and then lucy is well, no, Lucy's the same, but um, Quill, um, the the other one of the other guys, he looks totally different from what he does in the show. But the characters, the events, all that like line up. You can map it out with the book. I was it. It was shiny. It was good. I was impressed, and then totally bummed when it was not renewed for a second season. Apparently, somebody at Netflix, shock, doesn't appreciate the good stuff.
0: You look at what they approve and what they don't, and it's just like, I don't know.
2: It's arbitrary.
0: And part of it is, it, it's it has to do with how they measure viewership. And if you don't advertise it, of course, nobody finds it. And then it gets lost in the shuffle. And like, oh, no, nobody oh, liked yeah. it. Okay. No, I, I'm going to push some buttons right now.
1: Um, Netflix and canceling things. Um, you know, up until last year, I had never watched Cowboy Bebop. We watched Cowboy Bebop start to finish all the way through the anime, and then we watched the live action series. And I know that the purists absolutely hated the live action. I was actually impressed with the amount of detail that they did bring over to the live action from the original. Because I mean, it's anime to live action. That that's a tough difference. Uh,
0: you know, reality and physics get in the way sometimes.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, all in all, really, the only thing I had a problem with with the live action was um, the I can't remember the chick's name, the the lead chick that dude was in love with. Um, you know, she ended up marrying the bad guy in the the live action series when that was nothing to do with in the anime. Um, but otherwise. I mean, it was almost spot on, tit for tat, on so many things. Um, I wish Ed had been in there sooner because having Ed in there would have been just beautiful. And, you know, the dude, I, I can't even remember his name. He played Kumar. He played uh, Chekhov, or not Chekhov, uh, Sulu. Yeah. Star Trek. He did an amazing job. Uh, his acting was spot on for the character from everything that I saw out of the anime and just. I don't know, I I can understand on the purest level of, no, this is wrong, but you're going from anime to a live action. They did pretty damn good. They changed one semi, I don't even want to say it's a major plot point, because it really isn't even a plot point. It, It throws the love interest tie in there and gives some extra stress to things.
2: And you know how far off we've squirreled from anthologies.
0: Well, that's we good. haven't gotten there yet. So we're good. I, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. Um,
2: <laughs> I just we, we squirrel all the time, and it just every once in a while, I go. Oh, wait. We they
0: are used to that with me, I think. Yeah, and, and I, I have a list of questions. I'm keeping us on track and watching <laughs> the time. We're good. We're good. Involved. Um, All right. So back to the religion question. Now that we've we've gone far and field, which we do, which is part of the reason no format's more fun, uh, and why they uh, have enjoyed season three a lot more than. Seasons one through three, I guess, because we changed halfway through. Um, don't cost the bail money. Okay. That's good to know. Um, don't multiply. Don't add and don't subtract, I think. No,
1: that's that's safety briefing. We can safety brief. Yeah. Same thing. Wait. No, I need Okay. We just got rules eight and nine, maybe. Or just eight. We can do eight. Don't add or subtract to the population. Okay, yeah, we can do that.
0: And if you go to jail, establish dominance quickly. Um, so back to the religion questions. Uh, because we have an affiliate sponsor with Coffee Brand Coffee, which is delicious. Link is in the uh, in the show notes. We've got an affiliate code, Podcast Grunts. And uh, you get 10% off, support an American-made company, give Americans jobs. Good good stuff. And we like their stuff. We, we partly do the affiliate because Stabby and I are addicted. I mean, we could quit at any time. <laughs> um, but because of that, we have our final religion question. Are you ready for this? This is important to
2: to people about coffee. Embraced
0: because we are civilized here at the Blasters and Blaze podcast, we are no longer knuckle dragging troglodytes. Coffee or tea? And how do you take it?
2: Um, she's evil. I don't like coffee.
0: <laughs> she's not. Oh, evil. Be, you can say something cool, like I guess Earl Gray, hot.
2: Hot cocoa. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm kidding.
0: I mean, talking to us would be
2: No, I'm kidding. I do. I don't like conventional conventional tea. I don't. I don't like sweet tea. I'm getting lynched in the south for saying that. But oh, I don't, um, don't like
1: sweet tea either. I don't like syrup.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Whoa, do whoa,
0: whoa, 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 sir. We might have to rethink this partnership now.
2: <laughs> but i do like when i i spent time in ireland back in the cretaceous period and they did have um they said it was earl grey but it didn't taste like earl grey over here but i ended up drowning myself in irish earl grey with um a couple splashes of milk in it and i thought it was the best thing known to man she started it thing, year,
0: so. Mixing it and I thought libations were coming, and she's like, Milk, all wholesome. Well, uh, she's not military, she doesn't know libations. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, she said Ireland, I just assumed whiskey
2: was involved. Um, it, it, oh no, the, the free, I was 18, and the first time I walked, the first night I was there, I walked into a pub, didn't open my mouth, didn't nothing. Everyone turns around. It was like a movie. Everyone stops and turns around and looks and they go, hey, you're a Yank. Come over here. We'll buy you a drink. And I was like, how the f do y'all know? And I kind of looked at him and went, no, I'm from below the Mason-Dixon line. I'm not a Yankee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So in the South, we call sweet tea table wine, and it should be thick and sweet and served iced. uh, The only way to drink it, I keep trying to tell our British listeners that tea should not be served hot. It should be iced, chilled, and sweetened.
2: I've never liked sweet tea. It just I'm not even, I'm more of a well, safer person.
1: You anyway, give though. me a cup of coffee, milgrade that you can stand a spoon up in with a little splash of milk on top of it. I mean milk, milk optional, but
0: yeah. You like it black, like your soul.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I want I mean to
0: be darker than you. the blackest of black.
1: I want to and put hair on my chest.
0: <laughs> so I don't drink sweet tea as much as I would like to anymore because diabetes is a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I, I mostly drink Diet Coke or water. Uh, I ration my coffee even because I like it. French vanilla coffee with French vanilla creamer. It is to die for. Unfortunately, the calories, not so much. So I have to give myself one a day and count that in my calories, which means mostly I'm drinking Diet Coke or water. So it
1: literally is to die for.
0: Yes. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to like – become violet you know the the blow up woman and you know die um from from sugar so you know i I try to take care of my health that's something a lot of writers sometimes can forget as you're chasing the sugar high to stay awake and grind longer like you know great you wrote ten thousand words today but if you die tomorrow you're still screwed (laughs) like maybe get some fresh air um but you know you you tend to get authors in the newlywed and nearly dead set as i know (laughs) so the uh the really really young or the you know one foot in the grave got nothing else to do so why not um i I'm noticing a trend with indies but uh, <laughs> not judging I mean my son thinks I fought dinosaurs in the war so
1: well, it's because most of us indies are are working three freaking jobs trying to crank your stuff out and do something
2: yeah, or yeah we, a lots of- although
0: the distinction is is Shrinking because it used to be well, you do everything as an indie, but most people I know starting out with the trad pub, like they're still doing the marketing, they're still doing all the things, yeah. And so, I they're but just getting less of the cut essentially.
1: Um, one I'm hearing on a lot of the trad pub stuff, it is not pretty. I mean, granted, it depends on which publisher you get, but what genre, you know, it, it's there's some low percentages out there that I've heard about, and they're, yeah, like you said, they're still having to do their own promotion. No one's promoting anything for them. They aren't getting, you know, shelf space or anything like that in Barnes & Noble. I mean, there's really no reason to go trad pub with the exception of a few of the, the smaller houses, they're like Bain. Absolutely. If you can get in with Bain, go for it, because they're still pushing things pretty hard. Penguin, you know... That much up there, nah, not so much. I mean, you're just a number, and you'll probably never see anything past whatever they initially pay you because you're not going to earn out because they're not publishing or promoting it.
0: Yeah, that, that tracks. But like I said, I, I'm happy with the small press because it tends to be quicker. Yep. Um, and when you have a brain injury and tomorrow isn't promised, like you don't want to wait five years where it's in a slush pile.
2: Yeah. So.
1: Well, unfortunately, uh, some of us small presses, that slush pile becomes 12 to 18 months because
0: um, – It's a good problem. Oh, have. We got a lot of submissions in. Well, that might be because I tell everybody and their brother they should publish with you. Like, oh, do you know these guys, Three Ravens? Hillbilly's awesome. Go send them stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, you know, sleep. You don't need to sleep. But uh, speaking of, of the reason we brought you on, because obviously last – Last season, we did a uh, small press in um, radio hour where we kind of focused on what Three Ravens is. But we have um, the Blasters of Blades podcast, and Three Ravens have officially entered into a, a partnership. And so I thought it oh was. God,
1: he's my bitch now. We mm-hmm. <laughs> got all his teeth. I'm all happy about that.
0: Wait, wait. I have teeth? When did that happen?
1: you're We're
0: not baby boys so you know um, th- those weren't issued at basic so we're gonna start with I'm gonna throw up on the screen uh, while I get this ready uh, our our sponsor for this episode is the Shepherds men which is a, a charity which we are uh, working well three Ravens is working with and we're working with three Ravens so while I pull up the uh, the new logo that three Ravens gave us do you want to tell us about the Shepherd's men uh, Hillbilly Um.
1: I was actually introduced to the shepherd's men by uh patrick and the the fellas over at buckball brewing who we teamed up with on a um um, promotion for our trailer park volume three uh, where they actually brewed up a seltzer that tied into philip booker's story that was in trailer park three um oh wait yeah but that was
0: show it back up here it's pretty i was gonna come back to it after you got done talking about this lovely organization um, it used to be on them
1: and you know these guys talked them up and i I did some research on them and they are trying their best to help the 22 they are using the resources that are being sent to them to uh help these guys in, in and well actually a number of ways to uh get past ptsds to recover from this and to find a better life you know and how to cope with the shit that we deal with man i mean i mean i was air force i worked on aircraft i was a mechanic but i still got my own crap because we had snipers taking pot shots at us at points so you know i I understand but some of these boys and girls that were on the front line i can't imagine the crap they're dealing with so you know everything that i saw about the shepherds man just it's like yes and I wanted to team up with them. And um, for every new release that we have, every book sold, I'm donating a dollar to the Shepherd's Men during release week. So, you know, from the day that it drops, this includes the pre-sales. If we have any pre-sales, that gets included in that that count. Um, but yeah, we'll, unfortunately, you know, Amazon is like two months behind paying so it'll be a little bit before we actually send them a check, but we're going to send them a decent check for December once that rolls through because uh, we had a lot of sales during December. It was a nice month.
0: So one of the things when you and I were talking about this partnership, because it started sort of unofficially, we were looking to change the formatting and we needed authors to guess for all the panels. Uh, we reached a point where I was confident enough in what I was doing and StreamYards made it a lot easier to operate with some of their updates that I could manage a free-flowing conversation because the script got boring and you know boring is is the death of radio, right? Right. Uh, so we started just unofficially working with you to get a bunch of um get a bunch of your authors to be our, our fill in guests because you know we helped you get you guys out there as a small press, get your authors some publicity and, you know, it made fun conversation. So it worked because the chemistry was there. Um, when we were talking about the partnership and part of the way we went about this is obviously a lot of these charities, their claim is, oh, we're raising awareness. I think at this point, you know, four years post the end of the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war, officially, I, I'm pretty sure people are aware of the problem. It's time to start actually doing something about it.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And, and that's, that's one of the things that shepherds. and, and I will say I, I don't want to harp on it because that's we want an upbeat episode. But I lost as many of my friends to the piece as I did the war.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the shepherds men are actually doing something actively trying to change those numbers. And, you know, um, for those who don't know, you know, the 22 that get spoken of a lot, 22 veterans a day uh, commit suicide because of the PTSDs and they just can't handle, you know, between what they witnessed the stress of coming back and nothing's the same. The family has sometimes abandoned them. You know, it's, it's a rough life if you're a career military.
0: And and some of us made the mistake of opening up to people that we were close with. Um, I I know people whose spouse told them they were murderers and sociopaths because they killed people in the war. Yeah. Um, i know guys that their wives have converted religions and decided war was was the devil and literally you know met them on the tarmac when we get home and tell them i want to divorce because you're a killer um and god hates you like i don't necessarily think that is a representation of religion i'm, I'm not denigrating the religion i'm just those kinds of confrontations make life more difficult yeah. the other part of that is the va has not updated their therapy modality to reflect the realities of modern warfare in that like almost all of it's, it's not your fault. You were just following orders. You were a draftee. You didn't have a choice. What do you tell the guy that was a volunteer in an all volunteer army who might've been a corporal or a Sergeant making those or a young Lieutenant making those decisions. It was his fault. The buck did stop with him and sad stuff still happened. How do you teach him to deal with it? And none of them were prepared for that. It was law. You're Johnny private. And it's not your fault. Blame your sergeant. Well, what if you were that guy? Um, and so it was just add to that, you know, I think less than, and my percentages are way off because I haven't looked in years, less than 5% of the American population join the military of those 5%, less than 1% go to combat zone of that, or of combat arms and go to a combat zone of those percentages at the tip of the spear, less than 1% actually engage in combat the tooth to tail ratio in the military which means the number of support people to keep one combat person in the field and obviously in asymmetrical warfare combat person is is a generic term but it's still 1 to 10 yeah uh, and so for every one guy you have fighting on the front lines or running those convoys through you know hell you've got 10 people in the rear supporting but that means when you get home, unlike World War II or, or Korea, where, you, oh, I know Bob down the street. He was there too. I can talk to him. You don't have anybody, especially with the overemphasis on the guard and reserve.
1: Well, see, now, you know, you, you mentioned World War II and the coming back. That's one reason a lot of the motorcycle clubs formed back in the day because they were looking for that brotherhood that they had while in service and they didn't have any longer. And, you know, the booze fighters, the, the outlaws, the, um, the hell's angels, they formed out of that want and need of that, that brotherhood because they lost it. And no one understood what they had done and what they had dealt with. So, you know, they, they found another way of, of, of coping with it. Um,
0: yeah. And so, uh, we say all of that to say that when you're coming back in a modern war, where so few of the people serve, and then you know even less that did because military has become almost a generational thing. It's almost like a cast as opposed to just a job Yeah, for a lot of people. And it just makes it difficult to cope because, I mean, how do you tell your dark humor or you know some of your experiences to John Q. Public who just looks at you like you grew a third head? Um, and so... I, it, it can be isolating and that's where those those groups come in for me and i've talked about it on this, the podcast before and, and sci-fi shenanigans before that for me i started writing as a, as a va class writing as therapy was the name of it um but not everyone that was something the va didn't sponsor so much as they just hosted the, at site uh one of the local college professors did it but there aren't a lot of those programs and so people sort of languish in isolation and then you know the sunlight doesn't save them from themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things we liked that the shepherdsmen men were doing. They were, they were putting action indeed behind their support, I guess. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And so I, I like that you're, you're donating as well. So if you, if you like any of his books, uh, any of the ones that three Ravens puts out, um, just keep in mind that if you buy them during launch week, you're uh, you're helping out.
1: Or you do a pre-order and, and this is going to be ongoing.
0: Yeah. Period,
1: straight and, up any sales during launch week so the day it goes live one week after any pre-sales that were right there that that hit you know on launch day, one dollar will go to the shepherd's men for every one of those book sales
0: and obviously if you want to donate directly i will be linking to their website um so you can check them out as the show sponsor um they don't know that we're doing this because i didn't tell them hey we're gonna let you sponsor this episode i'm just we want to raise awareness The the original sponsorship was going to be one of the many three ravens books because i have some commercials for them but it just kind of felt more more genuine to, to put the uh, the word out because it's partly why we decided to, to partner up i mean we've made no bones that they were a veterans podcast um we've got all of our hosts have and will always be either military or military dependents um i, I think that's sort of our brand at this point um and so we wanted to to put that out there to you. And then the other part of that is that sponsorship is we are, you know, first co- first call for open chats about various topics is is put out um, to three ravens authors, because uh, we're trying to to help them grow and, and in return help make more money for shepherds, man. And and I think you've you've mentioned you guys also donate some books. Um, to local like libraries and VA hospitals and stuff. You and I have talked about that as well. Yeah. So it's not just Shepherd's Men. That's and, just um, a big one. Well,
1: you know, time is my enemy, but uh, on my list to do is I'm going to send some books to the USOs and things like that.
0: Um, yeah, so that's one of the things that um, you can't always have electronics where you are, and sometimes in deserts far, far away. Sandstorms are a thing, and electronics and sandstorms wow. don't get along very often but uh you know trade trade market paperback fits in your cargo pocket you're good to go you got something to do when you're bored yep. um and, and that can save you from thinking too much about things you don't need to be thinking about right then so uh so that's one of the things we're doing we're partnering up with them in addition to blasters and blades partnering up with this snazzy uh snazzy new logo that uh your cover artist designed for us i'm gonna throw that on the screen show it, it again it's pretty And it's it, it is it's delicious uh and nutritious, I'm told. Uh, so we, we played on the and black. Wait, wait. Okay. All
1: right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Army grunt. How is this nutritious? That's it feeds you're your soul, man. On.
0: It feeds your soul.
1: Oh, okay. So it's blacker than the black. It's black.
0: And, and it's pretty. And, and I'm colorblind, so I don't normally get all of the nuance in, in pictures. But I see this one, so I'm happy.
1: Well, you can see the shading of it.
0: Yeah, so I actually only see the primary colors. Um, I have a color differentiation disorder, which is a form of red-green colorblindness, which means I don't see shades of color. So you get me a basic pack of eight or 12 Crayola crowns, I can see those. You start talking about shades, and I just look at you like you lost your head. Wow. Um, so I actually had, uh, when I was in elementary school, we had to take art, and I was doing the coloring. And I guess I colored the clouds black because I'd only ever seen storm clouds. I don't see regular clouds because they blend in because the color differentiates So they thought maybe I was like super depressed or something. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There are no white clouds. Yeah. <laughs> they found out I was blindness. The art teacher thought I was cray cray. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so I really dig the cover. We will be, now that we're airing this episode, we will be going through and swapping it out everywhere. Uh, I don't know how long that will take to hit the um, the uploads because all of these sites kind of work at their own speed. And we just kind of... Sit and hope for the best, um, but we appreciated the art. And so um, in addition to that, I am also moving, uh, at least for a little bit, the anthologies that we used to do under Bayonet Books, we're now doing as J.R. Hanley presents over at Free Ravens. Um, they've got a larger reach. I love short fiction. And it's how I found reading. Um, my sisters were in Girl Scouts. I was what they called the tag along, which is the siblings that kind of got stuck following, following the Girl Scouts around. Uh, and I didn't want to do what the girls were doing; that was boring. So I started reading Reader Digest, which is essentially short fiction versions of classic stories. So I don't know; short fiction has a has a special place in my heart. So I like that uh, I can get that out there. And now, so
1: I, I, I do have something I want to toss out there real quick about you know anthologies and, and all. Anthologies. If you ever have this idea that hey, this would be a great idea, let's. Do, it's a pain in the ass. It's a lot of work. Really think through this idea before you do it, okay? Because you're going to have a lot of things, especially if you do an open call. uh. I just want to toss that out there. Now, because of certain criteria, and because I love to torture and torment her, um, there is going to be a special anthology that was pitched at me by um, we'll say writing royalty at this point I guess um, that Miss Jenny will be the Padawan editor on and I'm not going to mention anything beyond that other than that uh, she's going to get to work with one of her heroes as the Padawan editor under her hero uh, for a special anthology that her hero wants to do with Three Ravens
2: there
1: might have been a wee bit of an inclination of fangirling. I oh, absolutely. And me and the, uh, the we were giggling about the message I sent to Jenny after we started talking about the antho. And it's like, yeah, she's going to love this. She's going to shoot me.
0: <laughs> so sleep is overrated. We've established this. Um, and, uh, yeah, the the anthologies are great ways to explore various ideas, to explore, explore yes. new authors you might not have heard of. And because well, you yeah. have reach that I don't, we went from, man, I, I got 11 stories. Is that enough to make it worth selling for you know, $3.99 to enough for the first submission, which was the Assault Team one, uh, Boarding Actions in Space? I had enough to do two volumes. So just the reach alone. And then one of the things Hillbilly does on all of his Three Ravens anthologies is they do audiobooks too. And that is. Oh, yeah. Almost unheard of. And he's going wide. I like getting people used to the idea that Amazon is not the only game in town. Um, I think that's good for a healthy book market for all of us.
1: Well, Um, okay, for anybody out there that's that's thinking about anthologies and trying to get their head wrapped around the idea of what it is. um, Okay, if you're writing a novel and you're not done with your novel, but you've got this little side tangent part of this novel where it's kind of pertinent but it's not and you really don't need to include it in the main novel but that side character went off and did this thing that's going to pay off later down here for the main hero well that's a moment where you could write a short story of that side character going and doing that thing so one you've just got that out of your head you know what happened you know the details and it's You know it could be a reader magnet that you put out there for free it's something you drop into an anthology someplace or just publish on your own um but it will help you to develop your main storyline a lot better or if you want to explore these characters and back history like you know my my conan um analog draven i'm working on his initial backstory where he left his home territory and uh, I'm finding that I'm doing a lot of world building all of a sudden because I'm like, I don't know what, what stuff's around where he came from. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually spending a lot of world building time here in the last couple of days trying to get this thing built up. But it will help you to develop your world, your series, your characters, you know, all the details that, that you need to. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you get into anthologies – it's a way to get out there and be seen and not by the same crowd over and over again i mean if you're with the same publisher constantly and you don't go anywhere else you're really not going to get any other readership and that's one of the things about doing these anthologies you know if i get in a bane anthology there's a chance that some of those bane readers will come over to see the rest of my stuff they'll look for more of my my writings and if you have your amazon author page set up um which I'm trying to pull mine up right now, where I've got too many freaking pages open. Um, you know, if, if you have these things, because like, th- this is one of those things that actually helped me to get in a Dragon Con. They saw that I was active in what I was doing. There you go, JR, if you want to toss that up there. Or oh, wait, no, not that one. Shit. You just want us to look at your bony knees in the kilt. No, not that one. I want the I, I, here, hold on. I won the actual Amazon page, um, because that's the one that shows all the crap that I'm in. Um, you know, it shows the novels, it shows the anthologies that I'm part of. But and
2: anybody who knows knows how many of those project manager editors you meet batshit crazy with those anthologies
1: yeah but wow that would actually jump to the top of the list that's kind of cool um but you know you, you go through here and if um you're trying to apply to a convention and you're wanting to get on like i did for dragon con the first year because of what i had going on on my author page on amazon when they looked at it they're like you're pretty active and we've heard about you at other cons. We know some about you and you do a good show because that, that, that's another thing. If you're going to a convention, um, leave your ego at home. Yes, You are the entertainment. People are there to be entertained. You are the entertainment. Um, don't bring your baggage. Don't bring your extra crap. Don't talk about woe is me. You're there to give them a good show. And leave leave them with wanting to read your books and other books. Um, Leave them with wanting to have more discussions with you. I've known authors that they do the woe is me. Life is not good. I don't get to do what I want to do. And I've got to have a day job. Like, you know what? Tough luck. The rest of us do too. I've been working three jobs for four years. I'm sorry. Suck it up and keep going. Um, But... Anthologies are an easy way to show you're active in the community and potentially get you a uh, um, at least a panelist slot uh, at a convention, if not a guest slot, depending on what convention you're trying to get into. Uh, so there, there's more than just that. Plus, you know, eventually you get paid on some of these things. So and that that's a whole other thing, double checking how you get paid and what you get paid and all that kind of stuff.
0: So, but obviously, this is a um, this is a podcast focused on the reader. So, what the readers get out of this is you get exposed to authors you might not have found, and you guys, as readers, can read right. way quicker than any single author can write.
1: Yeah, that that's no lie. I mean, okay, see that see that one right there, the Burning Roads. Um, that book, I had copies of that at LibertyCon this past year people bought copies of that saturday morning when the vendor hall opened up and by saturday evening they were coming up i just finished your book it was so awesome i loved it i want more i'm like dude that took me two and a half months to freaking write and you read it in under a day what um, the hell
2: that's so, like something i do and you love me for it oh I, I do i do don't get me wrong but it's just like oh my god
0: so one of the things that, like I said, it, it gets you exposure to, um, to to readers you might not have otherwise reached, or to authors, excuse me, you might not have otherwise found. Uh, it's a good way to play with with new ideas. Just, you know, I just want to toy with this concept of what happens if my tank could talk, you know, like Night Rider or something. Like if you wanted to apply that to a tank, this short story is a good way to do it, both as a reader and as a writer. Um, I remember going to um, RavenCon and one of uh, of my first and few cons I've ever went to, I don't do crowds very well. Uh, And that's one of the things they said, the trick to writing short stories was the same trick you use when you're writing in someone else's universe. You find the dark corners and you shine light on them. So you don't have to worry about contradicting anybody or offending anyone's preconceived opinions. Um, But you also have fertile ground to explore. So how many times have you read a story where they say, you know, oh, I met Bob at the Battle of, I don't know, Trafalgar. And well, what's that? Well, short story is a good way to, obviously we know what Trafalgar is, but like right. it's a good way to explore those things that are just one-off one-liners in a, in a main novel that at the time meant nothing to you. And then you'll get readers like, what what happened there? I'm like, I don't know. I just threw that in there because it sounded cool. Um So it, it's a good way to explore, I think, new worlds, that you like because there's just so much room or back characters or secondary characters. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun way to explore. Um, That's why when we do, when I did all of my um, bundled, when I finished the sleeping Legion series and we bundled it, I put new short content in there because I wanted reason uh, one to explore some of the history and two, like you want to kind of reward the readers that have stuck with you through the whole thing by giving them something new. And short story is a great way to do that. Uh, unfortunately, markets are a thing. And so the lowest price you can sell on Amazon, which is like 90% of, I think, all book sales, is 99 cents. So for that value proposition, it's hard to convince someone for most readers, I'm going to spend 99 cents for a 10,000 word story. But if you bundle it with a bunch of authors and call it an anthology, suddenly you got a chance to make your money back, which is right. the value of the anthologies.
2: And you know
1: it depends on the anthology. Like, you know, I, I started with... Actually, our first anthologies with I try to get an opening essay by somebody important in with, within the genre field, and then I try to get a good anchor author. You know, the first anthology we did was for the Starflight IP, uh based on the Starflight video game from back in the 80s. I had Robert Silverberg as our anchor author. And and granted, that was only because he had wrote a short story that went into the Sega Genesis version of of the man or the Sega Genesis version manual for that release. Um, but I got to repub it because Silverberg had it, and um, you know, I got I got the game story creator uh, Greg Johnson. He wrote the opening for it, and then you know, with Trailer Park volume one, that was our second anthology, and I got Bill Oberst Jr., who is a pretty well-known horror actor. Shut up, phone. A uh, pretty well-known horror actor out in, in Hollywood, because, you know, Trailer Park is, it's horror, but it's it's also tropey, creature feature, comedy, redneck stuff. I mean, it's it's Bubba Hotep, Army of Darkness, Shaun of the Dead kind of stuff. It's, it's fun creature feature stuff. Uh, but bill Oberst, he did this great vincent price type opening um and it was beautiful I'm, I'm actually going to get to meet him at imaginarium this year he's he's uh one of the uh imaginators so he's coming in as one of the guests um but faith hunter gave me a blurb for that um we didn't really have an anchor author on that one but we had 19 great 19 stories, in that. stories yeah i'm not doing that again uh, if you want to run an anthology, remember the number of stories that you want to publish, that's the number of stories you have to edit. So yeah. if you're 10,000 word stories, start doing the numbers. You know, the math adds up. It's a pain in the ass Did I've mentioned that before. Um,
2: but you get really good stuff out of it.
0: So and- I, I will say the other thing is some of these anthologies, which you're talking about, the original story that had... Gone out of the ability to get for most people, anthologies can be a good way to uh, collect a bunch of out of print stories from from some of your favorite authors that you love that are no longer in print. I'd like to read that again. How do I find it? Sometimes collections. Bain does a lot of those. They uh, they get a theme and then they track down some of the classics in the genre and they get the short stories that haven't been in print for twenty years and they bundle them together. I know Christopher Rocchio when he was still an editor at Bain was pretty famous for that yeah Um, yeah,
1: I've gotten lucky that uh talking with with Robert Silverberg he's like yeah sure I've got a bunch of stuff here let's look at your stuff and he just started sending me submissions to anthologies I'm like holy crap you know he he's got all this stuff that it's not under contract anymore it's just sitting there doing nothing and he's like yeah sure throw it into that um well Jenny's what if um, anthology. We got a Robert Silverberg story, the um, um, Tales of the Apocalypse anthology. I just did. I've got a Robert Silverberg story, you know, and it's it's freaking cool. I, I'm still beside myself that I get to publish his stuff. I mean, he, he he's letting me publish four novels too, so it's it's weird but cool at the same time. So you know, if you're going to run these things. Um, I, I will tell you, I will tell anyone if you don't ask a question, you'll never have an answer. So it's worthwhile to go and ask that question. I mean, I've asked pretty large game companies and other companies for different things, like, you know, okay, hey, let's, let's do a merchandising thing or let's do this uh, collaboration. And, you know, granted, 90% of them, I don't get a response at all. Um, but if you don't ask, you'll never
0: know. Yeah, um, that's my my claim to fame. I'm shameless. I don't have a problem getting asked, asking a lot, and being told no.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so, because I mean, I've heard worse from better, as I like to tell people. Um, you know, so the that's the that's the fun thing with the the military when you got a lot of vets, because you know our give a damn is broken. Um, so like, you're just not gonna hurt my feelings. <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, the uh, so I, I do I do like the the partnership. That we're making it more official. Uh the art that they provided is amazing. That was from their in-house um cover creator. Uh, is that name publicly? Um
1: JF yeah, Posthumous She does most of our covers.
0: I other wasn't Jenny- sure if she was a trade secret or not. No, the no other Jenny. I
2: can't draw a stick figure. She creates art.
1: Yeah, Denny Wren does the wrangling you know, of me, and uh, the other one does the artwork.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I got left behind at uh, Stick Figures. Did I mention that I was colorblind and I can't see the shades anyway? So my art teacher told me not to bother, so I picked up a book and I read the Bulgarian um, in art oh. class. I mean, I felt like I won that oh, one. It totally was a good series. That's one of my dream lists to try to get him on the podcast. So far, I haven't made it through the minders.
1: The Bulgarian author, David yeah, David Eddings.
0: Eddings. he wrote that with his wife.
1: You know he's dead.
0: Well, I mean, I have a Ouija board, and I will travel. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's not, why I can't get past the are, uh, the sensors. So. Uh, like I said, I haven't made it past the sensors.
1: Okay, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> the stupid Marines up. at the gates. They they don't like us Army types. <laughs> all right i'm sorry that was that was some deep uh military humor but uh no love i, I have i have nothing but respect for the marines i worked with when i was overseas we Wait, spent the first quarter awesome. of my uh my time in iraq was uh resupply escorting convoys resupplying them in the sunni triangle so fallujah i got to play there no fun don't recommend it zero stars yeah um, so the other thing that that you know we speak of the anthologies is it It's a good way to expand your horizons, but they make great gifts. If you've got a reader who you don't know what they like, get them a couple of anthologies that are themed and they can discover it on their own. Um, And some of them are bigger than others. Uh, I think the only – when we were publishing as Bayonet Books, only one anthology I lost money on, and that wasn't my fault. That was the FBI's fault. So uh, we did the um, storming Area 51 when that was a thing. I had the bright idea of doing the open call for that because it was going to be the Woodstock of our generation.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then the FBI got really scared and the Air Force started mobilizing the reserves. And he had a bunch of you know old white dude colonels like, what's a Naruto run and what's a Chad? And so they were literally doing PowerPoint presentations on essentially pop culture, trying to figure it out. So the FBI shut it down and cock blocked us. Uh, and then, because I had 35 authors and 34 stories, um, I couldn't like turn it around quick enough at that point. And so, by the time I published, the the, the wind was out of our sails, so to speak. But I paid to edit um, 35,000, you okay. know, 35 oh. ten thousand word stories. Uh, Red Adept did an amazing job. Uh, I got some some good names in there, but it just with you are doing pop culture, you got to turn it around quick.
1: Yeah, that that was that's a doorstop book I mean you know I actually three, had, had to um, shrink,
0: I, I, I maxed out the uh, the sizing in vellum for for a print on a print book I had to shrink the the I had to expand the margins so it was actually wider on the page than normal shrink the text by like I think a point or a, a point or a half I don't remember uh, I have minions that do the back end stuff but it took them hours of trial and error to make it all fit. <laughs> It is my only anthology that has not at least broken even. <laughs> all right. pause right there. I gotta pee. Uh oh, well, <laughs> we didn't even know that. We could just, you know, kept talking, and you could have, like, I don't know. We'll, we'll work on teaching them how to be a little bit more radio friendly. I gotta pee. All right, it's all the Dr. Pepper. Is that what it was?
2: Um, <laughs> or the flask.
0: <laughs> yeah, or the flask. So, you mentioned that you're a writer, so what are you working on on your own stuff? You've you've got your Amazon page will be linked in the show notes, um, but other than the co- short stories which you've got two published, what are you working on on your own?
2: I actually I've got more than the two short stories. I'm just in those two because we also have corn scribblers, which are like short reads. They're like mini anthos. They're flash fictions. Right. Which does which is a way for people to like he was talking about, kind of build your resume, get a presence, show the activity and whatnot. They're also good practice for us for editing. That's when we go through and look at them kind of early on. And I remember going through and looking, and I'm going, what the actual fire truck are you trying to say with this? Because <laughs> you don't understand. But um I have one novel, because I write science fiction, fantasy, steampunk. Steampunk is my thing don't ask me how to market it we haven't figured it out yet but um i've got one novel that uh got sent in he looked at it, he bled on it and he kicked it back and said um nope this isn't one novel this is this there's enough here for this to be nine. Oh. yep my panic off. ensued Mom, panic. <laughs> I said, <"The>, "What? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about?" He said, "Yeah, this should be nine. We're going to chart it out." So we sat there and like blocked out, you know, rough With idea mapped out. Idea. Like
1: the Dragon Riders of Pern, it's got the same
2: vibe. Okay. Only steampunk.
0: No <laughs> so, steampunk for most people is an aesthetic. It's a look. It's a cosplay. But I've read some pretty good steampunk stories that are out there. Uh, yeah. unfortunately they don't sell as well so a lot of them are abandoned midstream unfortunately
2: yeah. that, that's the problem with the marketing though if you, I think that the catches don't market them as steampunk just let them be steampunk and
0: then there's but, the adjacent steampunk which is like gas lamp um, fiction which is similar um, they're yeah. all sort of the same thing that, yeah.
1: that tends to be like more of, of uh, steampunk mysteries from what yeah. I've seen
2: Yeah, there's a lot out there. Um, Westerfield, Tim, Westerfield, Sam Westerfield. I've got it down in the library. This is not the library.
0: Um, This is the library annex. It is.
2: This this is these these are my antiquarian books because I have a a small weakness for antiquarian books.
0: Um, Who doesn't?
2: Yeah, you know, just the cool people. It's a it's a nerd thing. I'm enough
0: of a nerd when I played. Fallout. I would collect all the burnt books, even though they were just dead weight, and bring them to whatever house I had because books shouldn't be abandoned. Yep,
2: I green. Oh my god, I cannot tell you how many times I'm not allowed in most bookstores, used bookstores, or antique stores without a chaperone Uh, because I I will adopt them all
1: days without
0: help. I I feel you. I'm, I'm I'm vibing. I get it.
2: Um, and I will go and I'll find books that like nobody cares about. And I'll find them homes. And I've brought can't tell you how many I've brought to Hillbilly.
1: If anybody wants to make the wren extremely happy, if you come across anything of Dr. Pierce's from yes. back in the 1800s, late 1800s, oh. she has she's she's come across a couple of his things and articles and all that. Even has well, you got a couple of the medicine bottles that he'd done the elixirs back in the day. So if you come across anything, Dr. Pierce's. Contact Jenny Wren, let yes. her know where it's at so she can either hunt it down, get it, arrange or whatever. Because she's on this mission to find out everything about this doctor. Everything. I mean, he was like the the snake oil salesman, charlatan back in the day. And it's beautiful the way he was scamming people. It like, what? What the hell? Really?
2: But so all that, though, because the history, I like the history. Like the, I've got a bunch of... Um, Scientific American magazines from the 1800s and I love the antiquarian because the technology at the time lends itself to as you said Jared the steampunk aesthetic but mm-hmm. but you let the aesthetic be the aesthetic you let the story be the the steampunk but you you build it with the technology and then you're not you're not showing people when you're not telling people, you're showing them because you're building, you've got the ticker tapes, you've got like the the pedal cars, you've got all the stuff that just is, and then you don't have to label it as steampunk, you let it just be the story, but the story you you bring, you feed that steampunk into it, you feed the technology and the pr- approach and the culture and all that into it, and then before people know it, they're at the end and they go, wait, I just read a fucking steampunk story and I liked it. Yep there's a difference between feeding it with all of like this firsthand like this this is harper's weekly magazine from 1885 this is the entire year's worth and it's the newspaper it's the ads it's the technology it's the new discoveries it's let me tell you how much what it is right and let me tell you how much steampunk just it, it it's pulling from life pulling from actual life Gives it the feel, gives it the meat, gives it the, 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 pulls it from the zeitgeist and like makes it real. And then people connect to it and they don't know why they do. They don't live there, but there's something about it because it's, it's, it's real. And it's pulled in from all these other places and you braid it into like this new thing that's not new and people like it. They think it's new, but they don't know why they connect. I totally just soapboxed. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: So now oh I've established God. that we're going to do a steampunk episode because why not? And one of the things, just because, like I said, we, we focus on our podcast. Our audience, our readers, we're all readers, obviously, if we're writers. Uh, sometimes not as much as we would like because, you know, deadlines are a thing and editors get really cranky yeah. if you miss them. Um, I got a short stories due right now. A of them to me. Yeah. The, um, a lot of the topics that we realized, like I realized – uh, so three Ravens put out uh, in one of their open calls, and we linked to their website so you can you can dive into the open calls if you want. But one of the ones you guys did was sword and sorcery, and in the number of submissions you got, it became very clear that modern readers don't necessarily know what sword and sorcery or yeah. sword and sandal is.
1: Um, well, I mean, I got the link right there in the the thing uh, for the open calls if you want to pull that up. And um, um, out of ninety seven submissions for the sword and sorcery, uh, heathens and heroes i actually had a hard time of picking out the true sword and sorcery stories the you know the michael moorcocks the robert howards the simon r green and and uh the the fritz Liebers. um i had a lot of fantasy submissions i had elves and dwarves and pixies like no yeah go ahead that
2: that actually that Doing the editing for what if, which I completely own is a wide open net. It, we tried to band it, but, you know, it, it happened. It, it was a thing. But it made me sit there and going through all of these submissions going, wait a minute, people don't know either They're desperation shotgun submitting, which happens. Possible. Totally possible. Or they don't know what... The genre expectations are to well, know what their piece fits.
1: Now, the what if that that one is kind of special. I mean, it's it's a total what if. I mean, do you if you remember the Marvel Comics what if that they had going on, where like what if Conan ended up in Brooklyn, and you know they they go down those kind of tangents. And that I have always loved the the concept of what if. I mean, that's that's what I do all the time thinking through these ideas and, and ops uh, opportunities and possibilities and things like that and we kind of tried to lock it in okay so what if walls could talk and it still ended up with a wide wide range of submissions yeah. um, if you want to have a chance of actually getting into the anthology unless you're just like you said shotgun submitting read the submission guidelines understand what you're submitting to and if you need to ask questions now granted we're a little more lenient on uh, question asking than a lot of other publishers probably are
2: but do research
1: do your research know who you're submitting to what types of things they like i mean this is this is anything i mean i don't care what publisher you're submitting to writers of the future okay writers of the future is a great example I have been submitting to them for years. I keep getting and wait, wait, look.
2: You keep getting silver notices.
1: I keep getting honorable mentions and silver honorable mentions. I just got my latest one today. Which pull it out of the freaking envelope.
2: Actually just means that they like it. They just can't publish it because it doesn't fit with what they're looking for.
1: Right. For whatever reason, it doesn't fit with that some that that particular collection. But You know, you go in there, you get a a couple copies of of Writers of the Future if this is one of those things that you want to be part of. Understand what kind of things they're publishing, what they're looking for. You know, you want to be with Three Ravens? Pick up an ebook book or 2 Ebooks are cheap. Look at what we're publishing. Yep. And I'll tell you straight up, we're looking for fun. I don't care if you're trying to world turn. And if you're trying to check boxes, uh, go someplace else because I don't care. But if it's a fun story, it's a hooking story, I want to go on an adventure and I want to forget the day's woes. That's what I want. I don't want you to be proselytizing from the from on high at me about whatever thing that you you think needs to be preached about and so I want to go on an
0: adventure. To, to keep this back to focusing on on the readers, because that's that's our target audience. One of the things that you'll find is when you get preachy in those stories and you find those readers, I can go through a, any book and I can almost tell you when it was published based on what they're preaching against. Yep. Uh, and so if you avoid that trap as a writer, you help your readers make that story timeless.
1: And and that's one of those things that I, I don't know where the fault ended up other than just... um pop culture itself kind of took over because
0: the, yeah, the internet took on a life of its own and it sort yeah. of, I don't want to say inf- maybe infected is the right word, but it, it kind of seeped into the zeitgeist
1: yeah, 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 exactly and, you know, just like, you know, certain publishers I'm never going to get published by them because I'm an old white dude you know that old. Old. but still, you know there's certain things now that certain publishers won't touch because it's not checking boxes for them. And, you know, they have to have those things in the stories that's being submitted. And like, that's something I couldn't care less about with our stuff. You
0: know, Most I'm, of the time I don't know what the reader or the writer that I'm reading looks like, and I don't care. Right, and, exactly. and,
1: and that's, that's the point. I mean, just go on an adventure, go on a great story, have a great time, I mean hell what was it um in the uh the um po- post-apocalyptic anthology we just did tales from the apocalypse yeah. the first story um and I cannot remember the name of it 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 was uh something of the elders um and of course I can't remember it off the top of my head it threw me into Um, in praise of the beloved elders it, it threw me into thinking about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and remember the lost tribe of kids out there at the plane crash and the way that their dialect had developed without anyone else around and I mean I'm straight into Mad Max territory as soon as I start reading this thing within two paragraphs and I'm in the zone and man I'm on the adventure now you know That's when you know you've got something there.
2: Yeah, when you get that when you open that next submission and you start reading, and before you know it, you're at the end. And you're going, Wait, what the hell? Because you're just sucked in and and gone. You're in that adventure. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that those are the gems.
1: Yeah, those are the ones you want to keep reading and hope they're going to do a novel and then yeah.
2: That's actually a good point, though. That is a good point, because one thing that I didn't know happened until Hillbilly pulled me kicking and screaming out of a corner, thank you again, still love you for it, um, is sometimes a story can be submitted to an anthology. I feel like this is like the story of the birds and the bees. Like, well, sometimes a story is submitted, but, and the story may get... I don't want to say rejected because it's not rejected, but it may get kicked back with the the message. This doesn't need to be a short story. This needs to be a novel. Yeah. Write the rest of it and send it back. So that's not necessarily a, a rejection of the story. It's, as you said, though, Jared, like an anthology is a good place to get those, like a good cross section, pick up new authors, learn new things, fill in gaps in stories, for authors you already like or filling gaps in the universe. But sometimes you find that one that's like, this is so good. You just took me on the coolest adventure I've been on in a while. We want more. So then we'll kick it back and go, Hey, this is not a no. This is a, give us more. So it's a bigger, yes. It's just a smaller. No.
0: So my problem is I've never found a short story. I couldn't turn into a series. So I have to be careful when I, when I write short content. Um, well yeah, so that's the that's the fun is you can explore, you know, and and writers can trauma dump in a short story a lot more accessibly. Um I mean, like I wrote a short story for a for a post-apoc anthology I published called Ishtar's Rising. And before we got to the alien bit, spoiler, I guess. Uh it was out a couple of years ago. <laughs> but before we got to the alien bit, basically I was writing about one of the times I went down Route Irish in Iraq. And I mean, I called the roads different things, but I mean that was just, man, I probably drank a little too much and I needed to get that out of my head. And yeah. so, but that lets you get, I think, in, because you can be more honest as an author, as a reader, because we keep, I keep trying to focus back because that's our audience on their viewing <laughs> side. As a, as a reader, you can sometimes peer deeper into the soul of the person writing in short content because you are more deliberate in everything you write than you can in um, long fiction. Like if you got long fiction, you're reading David Weber, like you're going to get a lot of staff meetings that fill up pages, pot, rows upon rows of missiles. I mean, I'm not I'm not hating on it, but if you want to know how he really feels, read some of his short fiction. Yeah, because yeah. he has to be shorter, so he has to be more like on point.
1: Well, and, and okay, a point to the readers: if you found an author that you're really digging their their style, you're you're liking their characters and their scenarios, reach out to him you have no idea how much of a confidence boost it is when you reach out to one of these authors and and you're going to make their freaking day
2: you're going to make their month
1: <laughs> unless, unless they're one of these egomaniacs and there are a few within the community you're going to make their day and that's going to boost them that's going to make them want to write more because now they've touched someone
2: it's that validation it's the opportunity yeah. to tell that imposter voice to bugger off
1: and you know you can always reach out with ideas if you want now no guarantee that they're going to touch it and there can be some liability issues there but if you reach out to a publisher of hey well what about an anthology of this if you'd like to have something like you want classic speculative fiction okay cool reach out to some of these publishers that you've been following and enjoying and you know you like the way that they're doing business and their content Let them know, hey, this would be cool, and maybe they can do something about it.
0: So to to mention that, um, yes, there's liabilities if if people give you ideas and you use them. That's why most people don't even open those emails. But sometimes they do. And my first contract writing for Tim C. Taylor was because I was just an Uber fan. I found that when I got my brain injury, I couldn't read for years. I always told myself through college and grad school, when I was done with school, I get to read what I want, when I wanted, for no other reason than I wanted. And then I get done with all that, and I get home from the war, and I got a head injury, and I can't read because the, I have to be able to magnify the print on my bad days, which a Kindle lets you do. And then Amazon and Barnes & Noble, probably pretty close to each other, put out their e-readers, and suddenly the world is your oyster again. And that's right when a lot of the indie stuff started happening. And so I was just a super fan of the books, and I found them because the first one was on the free list, and you know I was – not made of money. And I'm like, Hey, this is good enough. Let me buy the next one and the next one. And so I kept pestering the guy that wrote it, Tim. I'm like, Hey, you, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And finally he was like, "JR, shut the hell up and just write it yourself. And I'm like, why can't yeah. you doing that? And so he sent me a contract.
1: And, and, and <laughs> seriously, and that can happen. And, um, you know, sometimes you, know, you get these super fans that do start tossing ideas around and, you know, depending on the universe and stuff like that, if you really want to be part of the helping crew i mean helping these guys to maintain universes or their bible or or maybe even being part of their alpha and beta readers you know you have no idea how much help you can be a part of this um even with the publishers and the anthologies i mean helping them to sort through some of the slush or even the submissions for anthologies. If if you're into urban fantasy and you want to volunteer for something like that, okay, cool.
0: You know, And the benefit for you is you get to read it before anyone else does. That's sometimes fun. Yep. Uh, you get to read it, generally speaking, for free. Um, although some of them, you can get early access. Some publishers will do it if you pay like a subscription type deal. You can get early access. Um, but the other part of that is like the the... If there's a symbiotic relationship between the reader and the publisher and the writer. Yeah. And one way you tell them, Hey, I like this besides, you know, buying the book, you tell your friends so they can find it. Cause quite frankly, if there are not enough sales, there's just, I mean, covers cost money, editing costs money. There's expense to publish a book. And if you don't earn back, even to cover just the bare minimum to break even chances of the sequel are just, they're not there unless they're banking on when the series is done that they can like heavily market it. But so, if you want a book that you like, don't wait for the series to be done to buy them because you might not get the series. You know, if you want to wait to read them, keep buying them and then read them when they're done. Fine. I, I've done that with some series. But the other thing you could do is write reviews.
2: Yeah. So you yeah. Go to
0: Barnes and Noble, Goodreads. Um, Anywhere
1: and everywhere that you can put, put reviews. If you are a blogger, writing reviews and talking about books and stuff like that on your blog, um, I've done that several times just in the stuff that i've been reading like you know i go through read something even if it's old and i'll do a review and you know i'm one of the writers for sci fi radio so i'll put up reviews of uh, board games of books and things like that just because one that's more content for me but two that's going to help people find that person and you know granted okay yeah Bob Silverberg he doesn't really need any kind of more recognition cuz the man's been around since the 50s and he's he's elite, you know, he's in the writing elite. But you never know, you might find that one person that, "Oh, there's all of this out there of this author. Great, you just sent them on a path, man. You know, they found they found their 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 haven for reading and loving it."
0: But yeah, so the reviews matter, especially on the vendor sites. That's a good place to do it. Um, But in addition to that, if you really are passionate about it, you can start a YouTube. Although I recommend if you're starting a YouTube, diversify from the beginning, go to Rumble and BitChute and any of the others that are out there that I don't know enough or am not tech savvy enough. Because, you know, just put it out on all the places. But you can nerd out passionately about what you love. It kind of helps build the community around the things you like, which is fun talking to other people that like what you like. Um, you can encourage the publisher to say, "I mean, this has got a rabid fan base, so maybe it hasn't earned out yet. But if these guys are this passionate, maybe as we, you know, keep publishing more, people will give it a chance."
1: Yeah, and um, and, and w- one thing about reviews, um, you know, review the content. If Amazon screwed up the shipping and the cover was bent and all this and that, or it was cut wrong, contact Amazon. Don't, don't do that to the poor author and leave a one star review because Amazon's packaging and shipping screwed up because that, that's just, that's, that's not on the author themselves. And those reviews reflect back to the author.
0: But, uh, but in addition to just the reviews on the review sites, obviously like wherever you buy the book, you can generally leave a review. But if if you're so inclined to share your thoughts, uh, podcasts, podcasts, Vlogs, YouTube channels, whatever. I'm, I'm not up with all the lingo anymore. It keeps changing. Um, you can do your own website where you write, write reviews. Like I, I do that. I used to do those on my reviews. Now I write for upstream reviews. Um, it just gets books that you love out there. Like uh, some of those books you'll even get to read for free because the author's like, hey, I like the reviews you're writing. Would you give mine an honest shot? Yeah. Um, yeah. At this point, I've got so many series I'm already addicted to. I haven't actually taken any of the ones that have approached upstream. Other of the reviewers are doing that. I'm just reviewing the ones I'd be reading anyway. Well, um,
1: one thing that I do, depending on whether it's a repub or not, or later on down the line, if I I catch a damn good review, um, like on the inside cover flap of, of a hardback, I might include Amazon reviews or Goodreads reviews from those people. And it's like, you know, you might get included in the book itself. You never know.
0: You got to be careful with that because our Amazon terms of service uh, are such as they are. But uh, if you're doing it on a website that becomes public domain, generally speaking, it's easier to get those anyway. Uh, and most of the time they will ask you because I mean, if you liked it, why not? Um but it's it's a fun way to, to build community. I enjoy nerding out over some of the most fun episodes we do, where the movie and book reviews. Unfortunately, that obviously the prep time for those is a little bit more, so you can't do as many of them. But okay. I mean, I still get people arguing with me for season one um, of the sci-fi shenanigans before we were the blasters and blades. Uh, my review of the Starship Troopers, uh, when I mentioned I liked the movie more than the book. Uh, oh well. Oh God. I so hear me out. First off, and this is—I mean—I'm going to get more hate mail. It happens every we time. Can we could re- revisit that episode. We we should, and we should do a new one. We'll re-review it. But was that so, on that one? No, this was—it was me, Paulie Cooley, Chris Winder, who um, is out of the writing game because he had to get a real job and pay for health care. It's funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, when you're indie, sometimes you just don't. Health is a thing, people. Um, but so I don't remember who all was on it. I think it might have just been us. But. um Like, the movie was an action movie. I actually found the mill sci-fi genre from that movie. And I'm like, oh, this was a book. Let me check the book out. Well, then I read the book. And the book felt more like a political treatise than it did, which I read. I I mean, I revisit uh, Marcus Aurelius' meditations semi-regularly. Like, I read it at least every other year. So I don't have a problem reading that. But when I went into it expecting an action story... I didn't get it. I I just enjoyed the action story more, but it made me look at other things, Heinlein and and then other mill sci-fi. And so I found David Drake and, you know, uh, hammer slammers and sort of went from there. Um, But so for me, like the campy B movies are kind of my, my jam.
1: Yeah. Well, I love campy B movies and, you know, as a movie standalone by itself, the movie starship troopers was an awesome action movie. That's what it was
0: meant to be. Just don't watch it after you leave the NCO uh, small unit tactics class um, <laughs> that they teach you in the infantry. Because I I went back from that and watched it again, and I ended up knife handing the screen and screaming a lot. It's probably bad for my blood pressure. It's, just, it's not a thing, people. Like, but you know, you'll it, give Heinlein that he he had tactics down in the books.
1: I I honestly saw the movie first before I read the book Starship Troopers. Me too, and. I can't say that I would have loved Starship Troopers, the book, enough to care about being the um, um, purist, like I am on a lot, on a lot of stuff. Because again, you know, you get into the politics, you get on into all these other bits and pieces. The movie was just an action flick. It was all about guns and blowing shit up and kill the bugs and remember Klyntar? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> if, if you get into. Um, Ender's Game, really. Yes. The face of Ender's Game is a political, um, it's really a political satire when you get to the brass tacks of it. Um, and it's it's mirroring a lot of stuff that we had going on at the time in, in our own politics here in America. Um, so, you know, it's like, yeah. You know, well, you go back and read a lot of old Silverberg. It's the same kind of thing. You're seeing a lot of politics. Uh, Hawksville Station. You know, I would love to see a movie Hawksville station, but it would be nothing like the book. I get. I, I guarantee because then the amount of politics and everything else going on in there.
0: yeah. Um, so, so that like you said, that's that's the joy of short stories is you can explore so many different worlds. And if you are coming out of it hating reading, because I don't know how you'd be here, maybe you found us through the movie reviews. But I will say high school English departments can make you hate reading. Yep. They pick the worst books to get you to read. Uh, and if you're still there and you're just here for the movie reviews, like you could find your love again through short stories and finding out what you actually like when nobody's got a, you know, the grade book to your head saying, read this or else. Um, So that, that, that'd be my recommendation. So short story. So we circled back to where we started uh, and uh, we will remind you again, as we, as we wrap this up. Um, yes. We will revisit scene Punk because Jenny got all giggly. Uh, <laughs> and we will. Um,
2: I get I get enthused about things. I mean, yeah, I just
1: he's got your contact information so I, that I, I do podcast,
0: and uh, and I I will say that um, anybody that's been to a any kind of like nerd con, uh, be it movies, comics, you're seeing somebody in a corset with gears that that just loves steam or steam punk. Right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's it's out there for you. And they do have some really amazing costumes.
1: Oh yeah, there are. There's
0: some yeah. beautiful costumes.
2: Yeah, they really you, do. And it.
0: If it, we have you back, can you dress up in some of the costumes? Do you have any?
2: I have. We
0: well, could be a tax write-off, you know. I'm just <laughs> saying.
2: Um. Actually, my mom has figured out what falls into the steampunk aesthetic for me in black because I prefer. Black to brown, usually. Well, it's it's weird. I just I don't do colors, so I fit right in with like the eight color thing you've got. You know, well done.
0: Welcome to the club. Yes, we have cookies.
2: Oh yeah. You don't know if they're burnt
0: until we bite them, though. So good luck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I. She she gets me like the coolest stuff. I've got a real long coat that's got laces and buckles and thumb holes and hoods and and the whole thing. And she's just like, I saw this and it had buckles. It's cool. So yeah, it it's fun. It it's so a it's- comfort thing for some reason. It's just, there's just and I keep trying to like suss it out and like narrow it down. Like steampunk for some people is an aesthetic, like it genuinely is, which. I think is kind of the
1: the. Well, it's, it's like goth.
2: It's kind of like goth. It is. It's just harder to narrow down because there's steampunk and Adam Punk and diesel punk. I mean, there's all. The... No, I would that. <laughs> I would pay money for that. <laughs> well, <if you're> <laughs> I maybe, you, a, maybe
0: I could do a corset. So if you're listening, I, I put on the bottom. But will hillbilly wear the corsets uh, for that podcast? Um,
2: just, oh, what was that? <laughs> that would be worth money. Apparently, his wife said not no, opinion. not allowed. <laughs> You're not allowed in my closet. <laughs>
0: All right, but uh, but yeah, so we're gonna definitely come back with Jenny for the um, for the steampunk episode. Um, if you've got episodes you want us to talk about, dear listener, dear viewer, uh, reach out because we're we're open to anything. We're just having fun. We're gonna dive deeper into some of. Um, the episodes that we did in season three. So like we did GI Joe and then we dove deeper into GI Joe comics. We're going to do that with sort of some of the other ones. Um, And we will with the
1: newer comics or the original comics,
0: just in general, the comics we didn't, we didn't elaborate. I'm not a comics person. So I just smiled and nodded as Nick Garber got his nerdy comic friends together and we made (laughs) the episode happen. Um, That is just not my specialty. But again, I, I don't do the pictures.
2: Yeah. And then we got into
0: comics. I, I've I've read some of the graphic novels that were black and white, but they're just not as enough of the grayscale ones to make it a worthwhile venue for me. And then when you think about comics, and this this we will wrap it up from here. When you think about comics, and you you yeah. measure how quickly I read versus how short they are, and what you pay, I'm like, I just spent ten dollars to read two minutes worth of. Eh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could buy a novel for that price, and, and got a couple hours out of it.
2: I literally just had that conversation with my husband yesterday because I bought, I found a new author and bought all seven of her books and I sat down and read them in like a weekend and he goes, you know how expensive your hobby is? I said, what do you mean? He goes, we spent X however much amount of money and you blew through all of it in like eight hours. He buys a new computer game for 80 bucks and he plays it for 250 hours. He goes, So if you look at it, he goes, by hour, mine is less expensive than yours.
0: <laughs> That's valid.
2: And I blow through them so fast.
0: That's valid. I mean, so what he's telling you is do both. I just no, difference?
2: I, I told him I was like, so I just need more books to fill up the extra 200 156 hours I didn't fill, right? 152 yeah. hours. You just oh, need to
0: be become really good friends with your librarian.
2: Oh, my first job was in a library. Nice. The interlibrary loan is your friend.
1: Like I found for you. What? You need to install those hanging shells like I found for you. No. Hanging shells where they're hanging from the ceiling in well, the middle of the room.
2: One, one needs space from which to hang. So what she's telling
0: you is she needs you to buy all of her books when she publishes them so she can buy a bigger house to fit more of her books in. The man
2: knows what he's talking about.
0: He doesn't need. Speaking of, uh, Jenny, so uh, obviously we're wrapping this up or we'll keep talking for hours, and Hillbilly's wife might murder him on stream, and that's not good for ratings. Well, it might be once, but then they ban us and it gets ugly. Um, Hey, Hey,
1: rule 34, man. There could be a porn out there for it.
0: Well, there went our family-friendly yeah. writing today. Oh. Uh, all right, okay. Jenny, how, how we'll can they it. find you on the interwebs?
2: <laughs> the, my my uh, exposure to interwebs is minimal because I have the Dresden effect. So one is most likely to find me on um, – I have an Amazon author page. And uh, I also have a Facebook that, honest to God, I cannot find and cannot remember but I will have to find it and send it to you because I'm, yes, yes, empty promises. I'll have to find that and send it to you. But um, that is really the best place right now is that Amazon author page because and? the webs and I are not friends.
0: And uh, sometimes are you not on Discord? I am, and
2: then it breaks. Um, it, lasts, gonna... it, it lasts about 40 minutes once I log in. Dresden effect, it's a thing. But yes, I can
0: also be. Oh, so, carrier pigeon work as well. Um, we can set up a P.O. box with the uh, Hillbilly Express and uh, we can make, make that happen. You know, horse, buggy, owls, pigeons, whatever. Smoke signals. Smoke signals. There you go. Uh, great minds and all that. All right, Hillbilly, I will link to all the million gazillion places where Three Ravens is. So let's focus on you right now. Yes. Uh, where can they find you on the internet? WilliamJosephRoberts.com, <laughs> and Facebook and Twitter
1: and Tumblr and and uh, TikTok and MeWe and LinkedIn and uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much anywhere that I have myself. I have three ravens, and it's just like
2: yeah. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn too. You just I've, reminded me. I've
1: got like twenty plus different social media pages at
2: least. <laughs>
0: The problem with linking to LinkedIn is unless you've got an account, you can't look at it.
2: Right. That's why <laughs> so, I forget about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have one, so I just don't link to that one. Nobody's going to check at LinkedIn if you're looking for an author. I mean, maybe if you want to hire an editor, sure.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, people can find everything on uh, Three Ravens Publishing, which both sites need to be updated because, I, you know, time is evil. Rules. Yeah. Oh, wait. Rules
0: rules there's nothing about time on the rules sheet so this is where we remind you uh speaking of the reviews we're going to circle back to that where i remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on Mm -hmm. the reviewing platforms your reviews help the right readers find the right books so do your part people and rumor has it on every 100th review the uh the author gets a unicorn and i for one would like to know what a unicorn steak tastes like um (laughs) i I don't know but I, i bet it would sparkle And that, that leads to the important question. Uh, when you cook your unicorn steak, Hillbilly, uh, Jenny, uh, are medium, rare, rare. Oh, no, bloody. It's got
1: no, it. bloody.
2: Just Just wave it in front of the flame.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. warm. Okay. <laughs> no, on it. Ah. So the sparkles will still be fresh when they yeah. eat it. Exactly. How oh, freaking standing. And you should weigh in, dear listener. How do you take your steak? We want to know. We won't judge, we promise. Okay. I don't even care if you put ketchup on it. <laughs> uh, okay, I might care a little bit, but I mean, it's a good way to claim a cheap steak. Um, we, we're on budgets here, people. It's 2024. Yeah, that's um, uh... Speaking of links, you could find us on our Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoots, the rumbles, the YouTubes, the Twitters, the email. For professional business purposes only, uh, we link to the Facebook group and Facebook page. And then for all hate mail and shenanigans, you can reach Madam Stabby Stab on our Instagram, Twitter, or email. Uh, so, so far, no one's made her cry. So you've got goals, people. You can do better with your hate mail. I, I, I see good things in 2024. So so make it happen. You could find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades. We are all, where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can also support the show by the merch, which uh, Nick Garber, when he recovers and he can draw again, was working on putting that together for us with some of our catchphrases. Uh, and logos, etc. Uh, You can also support the show by buying some of the coffee brand coffee. Links below, podcast grants get you 10% off, and it's totally worth it. Uh, and they still got some of their post Christmas holiday sales going on. So you can't beat those deals right now. Get it while it lasts. Uh, and then you can support the show more directly by going to our buymeacoffee.com slash author junior Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author junior Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink until coffee pours out of their eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. We will film it. <laughs> it will be delicious for us. Maybe it burdens them a little bit. But meh. the things we do for art. With that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy and absentee co-host, I am J.R. Hamley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And with that, thank you for coming on, Jenny. Thank you for coming on, Hillbilly. We appreciate your patronage. Appreciate you having us. And we will do you. big things in 2024 with this partnership. We will raise all the monies for Shepherd's Men. So click the links in the show notes, people. Do your part. And with that, we're out.